listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. This episode covers the life of Christ and the Gospel of Luke. You can enjoy more messages like this with the free Courage Matters app, available in your app store. If you'd like to request Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event, click the Invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on CourageMatters.com. Who's ready for the weapon of mass instruction? You ready to hear from God's Word? Come on, you ready to hear from God's Word? We're going to look at the weapon of mass instruction, the book of God that he has given us, Luke chapter 12, turn with me, in our Father's Word. Now, you do not need the Bible to navigate through life. You don't. The Bible is not necessary for you to navigate through life. You don't need it. Then again, nobody's telling you to cut your grass with a lawnmower or a tractor either. If you want, you can use a pair of scissors. You're welcome to use a pair of scissors if you want to cut your grass. Nobody's insisting that you use a lawnmower. Nobody's insisting that you use a tractor. It just makes it a lot easier, a lot quicker, a lot less toil and trouble. But you're welcome to use the scissors if you like. You're welcome to ignore the Bible if you like and try to get through life. God's word gives us understanding of how to navigate through life with much greater ease than it otherwise would be. God's word gives us instruction on how to live our lives, what God is looking for, how we can adjust our lives. And I'm excited about this passage of scripture. Luke chapter 12, verse 35, begins a section of scripture where Jesus is saying particularly difficult things. Drawing the line in the sand, so to speak, between dabblers and disciples. The next few weeks together are going to be pivotal in your life. They're going to be pivotal in our life as a church family. Pivotal because Jesus is throwing down the gauntlet. Jesus is drawing the line in the sand. Helping people understand what does it mean to really live for God? What does it mean to think you're living for God, but not really to be living for him? He's going to be throwing down some serious challenges to every single one of us. Going to be giving us some very serious words, and you're going to be able to identify with where you stand. You're going to be able to identify with where Jesus wants you to stand. And you're going to be able to make choices in your life that are eternally significant. So stay tuned and hold on to your seat. Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Jesus says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You must also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Again, Jesus using the favorite phrase of his to refer to himself, the Son of Man. Jesus is coming at an hour you do not expect. 
Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, Jesus being impassioned, truly, I say to you, when we hear Jesus say truly, it's not like he wasn't speaking the truth before that. He's already been speaking the truth, but now Jesus is getting particularly impassioned, particularly earnest. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. The teaching that he is faithful with little is faithful with much. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. The context of this passage is Jesus teaching among thousands of people, probably tens of thousands, and he's teaching the people in parables. And there's this ping pong action, this back and forth action, which is what leads Peter to ask, Lord, are you telling this to us, the 12, or are you telling this to the masses, the crowd? Because Jesus is teaching often to the crowd and mass, and he's also taking the disciples aside and giving them teachings that are pertinent to them. There's a ping-ponging action back and forth where Jesus is training and discipling the disciples, the inner circle, the apostles. And then he's also casting out teaching and providing seed for the masses as well. There's a back and forth action and Peter, catching on to this, asks that question in verse 41. Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And Jesus doesn't directly answer that question except In verse 48, he says, everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. The implication is that Jesus' teachings are for those who are serious, and even those who aren't serious about him need to hear what he has to say, because in hearing what Jesus is saying, perhaps some who are dabblers might then become disciples. See, there are always dabblers Whenever there's a gathering in the presence of God, there are always those who are not really serious about Jesus and yet hearing the serious teachings of Jesus. And so the teachings of Jesus are for the disciples. They are for the serious. They are for the devout, the devoted, the dedicated. They, by no mistake about it, are for those who are serving Jesus, dedicated to Jesus, and therefore those who are dabbling. Because there's always the hope, always the prayer, always God's desire that people would move from sticking their toe in the water to being fully immersed. That people would move from being a dabbler to being a genuine disciple. That's interesting what Jesus paints here, the picture that he paints in verse 35, stay dressed for action. The the original language that's used here is let your loins stay girded. How's that for 21st century language? Let your loins be girded. If I started talking like that, you'd look at me like I have a third eye on my forehead, right? 
Well, gird your loins, my brother. Gird your loins, my sister. Well, the terminology really comes from Exodus chapter 12 and verse 11. Look with me at Exodus chapter 12 and verse 11, going way back to the Passover, the festival, the feast of Passover. In this manner, you shall eat it with your loins girded or your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. See, what happened is they were supposed to on the 10th of Nisan, not talking about cars here, okay? The the 10th of Nisan, the month, they were supposed to select their lamb or their goat, unblemished. And on the 14th of Nisan, they were then to kill it at the twilight, the Passover feast. And they were to eat it by taking their cloak, taking their gown, and tucking it into their belt with the staff in the hand, on the go, because for 400 years these people had been oppressed. Making bricks without straw was the culmination of fence. And God had made a promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 that whoever blesses you will be blessed, whoever curses you will be cursed, and by Pharaoh and the Egyptian people mistreating the Jewish people, God's anointed and appointed, he had placed, Pharaoh had placed the nation of Egypt under the judgment of God. And so now God was going to release the Jewish people after 400 years of oppression. That was going to happen. The release was going to come and they were to leave Egypt with their loins girded, with their cloak, with their gown tucked into their belt. They were to eat it in haste to hightail it out of there because God was delivering them and bringing them into eventually the promised land. And this is the same type of terminology that Jesus uses in Luke chapter 12 in verse 35. To stay dressed for action. And what I'm talking about today is the secret to a blessed life. The secret to a blessed life. Number one is to stay dressed for action. To be ready for action. It's interesting that Jesus wants no couch potatoes in the kingdom. There's no such thing as a spectator disciple when it comes to building the kingdom of God. There's work that you and I have to do. Have you noticed? There's activity involved in being a disciple. Have you recognized that? One of the great, and I mean terrible, disservices that we have done in the body of Christ is educate people in the realm of their mind, stimulate gray matter, give people all of this teaching in the word of God, helping them understand and memorize scripture. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for memorizing and understanding and thinking about scripture, but the activity that happens in the gray matter in our brains must also stimulate the heart 18 inches below and must also make its way into our lifestyle. A degree will not make you fearsome against the enemy's attacks. A degree will not make you effective in service for the Lord. Memorizing scripture is no guarantee that your lifestyle will be different. Blessed will you be if you do them. It is putting the word of God into action that changes lives, that takes back enemy ground. It requires action, the lifestyle of a disciple as coming out of the mouth of Jesus is defined as one 
that is ready for action, that you and I at any moment, at every moment, must be prepared, must be ready, must be willing, must be able to do something. Do something. So Jesus says, stay dressed for action. It's interesting the words that are used here, the tense that is used here, is not once and for all, over and done with. It is to be ready for action and to continue to be ready for action. A whatever it takes mentality. Do you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, have the mentality, whatever it takes, whenever you ask, whatever it is, Lord, I am ready. I am ready, willing, and able. See, the word of God is deposited into our minds minds, into our hearts, into our lives, so that there is an overflow out of that deposit into a lifestyle that is active in taking back enemy ground, opposing the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, the devil and wicked spirits, to speak out against violence and oppression, to take action in the world where God has placed you, in your household, in your neighborhood, at your place of employment, where you work. There's no such thing as retirement. There's no such thing as being a couch potato. Sitting down, we are to get our loins girded. We are to get ourselves ready for action. We are to stay ready for action. We are to be in a perpetual, ongoing, continual state where you see yourself as God's agent of change. That's the life of a disciple. That's the life of somebody who's really serious about the kingdom of God. Jesus says, stay ready for action and keep your lamps burning. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. Maybe you're familiar with the Salvation Army. We typically hear the most about the Salvation Army around Christmas time when we go into the stores and we see the person ringing the bell with the red kettle and we give whatever it is that we can. Some of us give more, some of us give less, some of us find it to be an annoyance. I'm sure that General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, did not have the public relations campaign for the Salvation Army being reduced to somebody standing outside of a department store with a red kettle asking for leftover change. And there's much, much more to the Salvation Army than that. But it was William Booth who said, the tendency of fire is to go out. Therefore, watch the fire on the altar of your heart. The tendency of fire is to go out. Therefore, Watch the fire on the altar of your heart, Jesus says. Keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and he knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake. The secret to a blessed life is to stay dressed for action, to wait for the Lord and to stay awake. Is your life characterized as waiting for the Lord? Staying awake for the Lord? See, the tendency of fire is to go out with the passage of time. You let your guard down, I let my guard down, and we just want a little bit of a rest. Just want a little bit of a relief, a reprieve from the battle that's raging all around us, from the battle that's raging within. 
The secret to a blessed life is to stay dressed for action, to wait and stay awake for the Lord and to serve the Lord as the agent of divine favor that you are. Do you understand that you are an agent of divine favor? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you are an agent of divine favor. You're privileged. See, that's what this word blessed means. Look with me at verse 37. Jesus introduces the word blessed. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. Blessed, typically we think of the word blessed, happy. I'm joyful. I'm happy and I'm joyful. And many of us want to be happy. Who in their right mind does not want to be happy? But that's not the fullest sense of what this word means. Jesus is talking about being a privileged person. The word blessed here that's used repeatedly, verse 37, verse 38, verse 43, right? Used repeatedly through this whole section. The word that's used there is to be a privileged recipient of divine favor. To be a privileged recipient of divine favor. You are a privileged recipient of divine supernatural favor if you wait for the Lord, if you stay dressed for action, if you're awake and ready for the Lord's return, and if you are someone who stays dressed, ready for action, if you wait for the Lord, if you stay awake, then you will be a person who serves God as the agent of divine blessing that you are. See, serving God, being a blessing, being blessed the way you are as a child of God, that's fully released and realized when you stay awake. Both eyes open through this journey of life. Heart on fire for God. Mind fully alert, awake, ready for the master's return at any moment. See, there are people who will be sleeping when Jesus returns. There are people who will not be waiting for Jesus' return. And there will be others who will be awake and alert, dressed for action. Staying alert, awake, watching for Jesus' return, serving the Lord, living a blessed life. Look with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16. See, the Bible interprets itself, and if you don't understand a particular passage of Scripture, the best thing to do is to keep reading the Bible. And eventually you'll find passages of scripture that will interpret the passages that you might not understand. We were telling our boys the other day, we have a young boy who's 10 and a young boy who's eight, and we help them understand that there are passages in this Bible that you will not understand. There are sections of scripture that you will look at and they will cross your eyes and make your hair curl. You will say, what in the world does that mean? It doesn't make sense, I don't get it. Welcome to the family. However, Stay awake, be diligent, keep reading this book. 
that is unlike any other book. Keep pressing into God because you will find that the Bible interprets itself. For example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 begins with this, speaking of the return of the Lord. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. By the way, trumpet the book of Exodus, when the sound of a trumpet grew louder and louder, the trumpet is affiliated and associated with the presence of God, a movement of God. And if we understand the Old Testament, when you come to this passage in First Thessalonians, you would see the trumpet and you would say, this is that, that is this. The trumpet sound of God, movement of God, the presence of God, something significant on the horizon. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Don't let anybody tell you that this idea of flying in the air is phony baloney. No, it doesn't make sense. I've never done it, neither have you. But if you know Jesus Christ, you will defy gravity. We walk by faith, not by sight. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Chapter 5, verse 1, now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then suddenly destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. See, there are some people who are not paying attention, some people who are not staying awake, some people who are not alert, some people who are not dressed for action. There are many people who are couch potatoes, many people who are allowing their their walk with God to remain and only be a stimulation of gray matter, a matter of just accumulating knowledge. Listen, to him whom much is given, much is required. The more you read God's book, the weapon of mass instruction, the Bible, the more you will know what God wants to do with your life. If you don't know what God wants to do in your life, keep reading the Bible. It will become clearer. If you don't know what God is asking of you, keep reading the Bible. Keep submitting to God by submitting to his word. Don't make it a mental exercise of what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. Now, I'm not saying you need to be stupid to follow the Bible. There are educated people who follow the Bible and there are educated people who don't follow the Bible. It's not a matter of education. It is a matter of faith and persistence. Faith and persistence. You must persist in your walk with God. You must continue to read this word so that it's interpreted. There are plenty of people who will be caught off guard at the coming of the Lord. Plenty of people who will not be caught off guard. First Thessalonians 5, 4. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and and for a helmet of hope, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep physically, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. The person who's hearing the words of Jesus 
The person who's experiencing a blessed life is somebody whose life is characterized as staying awake and dressed for action. You want to have a blessed life? The secret to a blessed life is to stay awake and ready for action, to wait for the Lord, be alert, and to serve the Lord as the agent of divine favor that you really are, to serve the Lord. In Luke 12, 40, you must also be ready for the Son of Man, Jesus, is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And Jesus is saying, both. For him who has ears to hear, for everybody, do you want to not be ready or do you want to be ready? Answer the question, and then you'll know who this is for. Verse 42, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give their portion of food at the proper time? A privileged recipient of divine favor is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. The word there that's used repeatedly again and again, beginning in verse 37, servants, implied in verse 38, servants, used in verse 43, servant, used again in verse 45, servant, used again in verse 46, servant, used in verse 47, servant. The word that's used here, doulos, the idea of being a bondservant. The idea of a, behind a bondservant, this particular type of servant is different than what we see in verse 45, the male and the female servants, little younger people, younger children. That's the word that's used there. The original language is very descriptive. But the word that's used here repeatedly in the verses that I just mentioned, doulos, the servant or the servants, is for a bondservant. This is somebody who is totally, entirely given over to the benefit of somebody else. Somebody entirely given over for the welfare, the well-being, the benefit of somebody else and a cause other than their own comfort and convenience. That's what it means to be a servant. And Jesus says, blessed, blessed, blessed. A privileged individual, a privileged recipient of divine Favor is that man, that woman, that boy, that girl who as a matter of priority stays dressed ready for action. That man, woman, boy, or girl waiting and watching for the return of Jesus. That person who's blessed is somebody who is alert, awake, serving the Lord diligently, intentionally as the privileged recipient of God's favor that they really are. Are you a person who's totally given over to the Lord Jesus Christ? Can it be said of you that you are a doulos, that you are a bondservant of the Lord? that you have invested and you are investing your life in something that is bigger than you. In fact, so much bigger than you that it is eternal and it will far outlive you. If your vision can be achieved by yourself, your vision is probably too small. Jesus is looking for bondservants. Jesus is looking for men, women, boys, and girls who are totally given over to him. 
totally surrendered, totally dedicated. Listen, that word surrender needs to be the sweetest word in our vocabulary. When you surrender to God, everything else falls into place. See, God has made it very simple. He's taught me and he keeps teaching me over and over again, Mike, there's one thing that you need to do, not two. There's only one thing. It is what it means to worship. It is what it means to give glory to God. It is the key to having a life that's fruitful and effective for the Lord. And you can do the same thing as you're listening, whether it's by podcast or right now. The one word that summarizes the secret, the key to everything is the word surrender. When we surrender to God, hell trembles and heaven is assisted. The kingdom of God always takes a quantum leap forward when one of God's people, one of God's servants, one of God's people who was totally surrendered, given over to the will, purpose, and person of Jesus Christ, when there is surrender. You know, on June 6, 1944, we're celebrating the 70th year this month of Operation Overlord when America and allied forces went into the beaches of Normandy and sacrifice after sacrifice was laid down by the time it was over on August 25th, 1944. 226,000 allied troops had lost their lives. Over 400,000 Germans had lost their lives. Lives. The beaches of Normandy today, we can watch Saving Private Ryan and we lose the understanding that that actually happened. It really happened. President Eisenhower, the Supreme Allied Commander, humbly gave the order for Operation Overlord. And you and I today are speaking English in the United States of America because that battle was successful. Now, I have Italian heritage. I'm not against Italian at all. But if it were not for the success, if it were not for the sacrifice, if it were not for the attitude of servitude that our men and women, armed forces, executed in that battle and invading the beaches of Normandy, you and I might be speaking Italian. We might be speaking German or Japanese for that matter. Now, some of you like sushi, You might really like sushi if that battle wasn't successful. Other people laid down their lives for a cause that was bigger than them, greater than them. Now, if they can do that for natural causes in something as significant as world war, it seems that we have lost our sense of dedication and surrender and sacrifice. Nobody on June 6, 1944, in the months that led up to the decision that would have those young boys, the young women who were also assisting, sacrifice and lose their lives, nobody seems today to have that kind of a mentality of sacrifice. You and I today are able to enjoy freedom. Freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. Freedom of thought. Now it's being encroached upon with increasing, increasing uh, concern, increasing alarm. And there's a very real sense in which in this country we need a peaceful revolution. I say peaceful intentionally because somebody could misunderstand what I'm saying. 
lest what happened in Operation Overlord and what happened in all of World War II to fight back tyranny, to fight, to push back oppression, be in vain. This idea of staying ready for action to fight against tyranny, to fight against the freedoms that give us the opportunity to preach the gospel is being attacked today. This idea of the greatest generation that laid down their lives so that others, you and me today, 70 years after the fact, could enjoy religious freedom. It's being choked, it's being strangled. All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing. The attitude that Jesus is calling for never went out of style. Never went out of season. What Jesus is asking, what Jesus is requiring of those who are serious about the kingdom of God is the secret to a blessed life. To stay dressed ready for action. To wait and watch for the Lord, to stay awake and to serve the Lord deliberately, intentionally, purposefully as the privileged recipient of divine favor that you are. We're privileged. We are recipients of divine favor because others have made sacrifices. We're privileged because Jesus, on a real cross, sacrificed his life so that we could live. We've been given so much, and look what Jesus says in verse 48 here. Look what he says. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Keep in mind that this is a parable. Jesus is not interested in beating you up, right? By his stripes, you're healed. When Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished, there's no room there for purgatory. There's no idea left there, no fudge room that Jesus is gonna still beat you up and purge you of something more. No, you either accept Jesus and have all of your sins forgiven or you don't have any of your sins forgiven. This is a parable, which means it is not to be taken word for word and unpacked and addressed to the minutia of detail the way an epistle would be taken, the letters in the New Testament or other passages of Scripture. The principle here, remember what a parable is. It's an eternally significant divine truth with a takeaway, a main thought to take away. It's right here in the second part of verse 48. Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. What will be required? Service. As a recipient of divine favor, of God's favor, there's a response. We can't misunderstand it all from him to whom they entrusted much. They will demand more. See, we're given divine favor and blessed so that we can in turn be blessings. We're given divine favor and are blessed so that we can in turn give blessings. You know, we've got an issue here at the church with our children's ministry. We're going to do something different from July 6th to August 17th. Now, you're listening by podcast, you might say, well, this pertains to this particular church. No, it pertains to your church too because the word of God has practical ramifications and you need to wrestle with this podcaster. You need to wrestle with this about the family of God that God has placed you into and how you can serve, how you can, as a privileged recipient of divine favor, 
involve yourself in the family that God has placed you in. But here, July 6th in a few weeks through August 17th for just a six-week time period, during our second service, we're going to do something special for our children. We're going to do something special for our children, and we need more volunteers. We need people telling stories to the children. We need people uh, organizing those times and helping out in those times. Multiple opportunities to serve. Now, last week when I gave the opportunity for people to respond in children's ministry, it clearly demonstrates that this is a church that needs to be commended because you are catching God's vision. You are understanding the movement of God because we didn't have 10 people volunteer. We didn't have 20 people volunteer. We didn't have 30 people volunteer. We didn't have 40 people volunteer for the Children's Ministry Club Congo from kindergarten to sixth grade. We had 49 people say, yes, I want to invest. And you are to be commended because you understand and we are all understanding more and more what it looks like to stay ready for action, what it looks like to wait and stay awake and serving the Lord. You're catching the vision because this is a movement of the Spirit of God. This is not just a ministry here at this church. We are not just engaged in ministries here at this church. Ministries, put me to sleep. Excuse me, but a movement of God is worthy of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as much as we have in responding just over the past week for people in kindergarten through sixth grade, people volunteering and serving, you say, I don't even know what to do. We'll tell you what to do. We'll show you what to do. They do that for me before the service. They hand me the announcements I tell Vivian, I tell our business administrator, just hand me the announcements, tell me what to do, and I get told what to do. We'll help you invest into the lives of children. We have 49 people volunteering. We know that some will lose the vision. We know that that's going to happen. We know that others will get more of the vision. Listen, we are going to war this September and October in this area. How do I know that? Because this is a church. You happen to be sitting in the auditorium of a church of local, regional, national, international impact. And in order for us to reach the world out there, we've got to reach the world right here. Do you understand that? Do we understand that? This is not about engaging in ministry. It is about being part of a movement of the Spirit of God that you have hungered for, that you've longed for, that we have prayed for, that we are praying for. And God is doing exactly what he wants to do. It's not what we want to do. We're catching his vision. God is doing it. It's happening. It's unfolding right before our very eyes. We need more than 49 volunteers, surrendered servants who are being blessed, recipients, privileged recipients of the blessing of God, the favor of God. We need more than that because we're going to war because we are taking this area that is given over to enemy territory. We are taking it back for the glory of God, one child at a time. And we need more than 49 volunteers. And the more we get, the less you'll have to do. How about that for appealing to our selfish nature? Many hands make work light. The more we have, the less you'll have to do. You've been listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, you'll love Michael Anthony's Courage Matters Podcast, where he focuses on leadership, relationships, and world events. 
To learn more, visit CourageMatters.com or download the free Courage Matters app. Interested in requesting Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event? Click the Invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on CourageMatters.com. In the meantime, keep looking up. There's no place else worth looking. Thank you.